talking about gratitude here at Hope Springs. So um, I get to kind of do the second of two, so I get to close it up. Uh, last week, I think that Michael successfully, um, he said he didn't want to guilt us into gratitude, but I do think that he successfully depressed us into gratitude a little bit, so that's good. Um, today, I'm going to try to encourage us towards it a little bit more, so hopefully that'll work out and it'll have a little bit different tone, um, but no, we can, uh, we can still learn something today uh, about gratitude as a, as a group here. Um, it, it can be a difficult topic to talk about for a bunch of reasons. Um, I think the biggest reason, uh, th- this idea of gratitude, it, it, it tends to be kind of, kind of ethereal, right? Like when you start to talk about it, and, and I don't know if even Michael would echo this, but like when you start thinking, hey, I've got to teach on this idea of gratitude, it, it's kinda, it can be kind of something that's kind of out there and car- hard, to, hard to pinpoint, hard to put a thumb down on it, uh, hard to really get a grasp on it. Um, uh, maybe you're like me, and, uh, and sometimes this idea of gratitude tends to be more of a seasonal topic. So it's, uh, we're chock full of gratitude around Thanksgiving because that's the whole point of the holiday, or around Christmas because you get to be around family, or whatever that might be. Um, and and we, we, we almost kind of smack this idea of gratitude right in between like the gluttony of Halloween, right? And then like the, almost like the masochistic nature of like New Year's resolutions. And, and we just, right in, right in between those, we, we smack gratitude in between it because we don't want to forget about it, right? Um, so maybe you're like me and think like that. Maybe you're going, I've never thought about it like that in my life, and that's fine too. But um, this year, this present time, uh, this, this topic of, of gratitude is, is a little bit more difficult for me to talk about for a different reason. Um, a, a couple weeks ago, uh, I shot Michael a text. I said, hey, uh, you got lunch plans today. I really need to, to meet and talk with you. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, that would be good. Let's do it. So we went to Chick-fil-A and, uh, and uh, I, don't, I don't know what we got, but we started eating and we're talking. And um, he, he, he kind of took this as a reminder of, oh, hey, I was going to talk to you about an upcoming time that I wanted you to speak. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, you know, when do you want me to talk and what do you want me to talk about? And he's like, well, you know, it'll be in, what was that, like a week and a half, maybe two weeks. And he's like, uh, he's like I want you to finish up our series on gratitude. And I kind of chuckled when he said that because the, the whole reason for me uh, texting Michael wasn't to remind him uh, that he and I were going to talk about when I was going to talk in front of you guys. Um, but, but I hit him up because I needed to talk to him about how much I was struggling with gratitude. Um, not knowing that he was going to be talking about this and certainly not knowing that he was going to uh, ask me to talk about it. Um, but I, I've just been going through some things lately, uh, some work stuff, some family things that have made uh, this idea of gratitude uh, something that I have to force <laughs> lately. And that's what I wanted to talk to him about because I, I don't like that being the, the nature that my gratitude had been coming out of. I don't know if you could even call it gratitude at that point. But um, it, it was funny timing. Um, it was hard. Um, it was hard to, to even say, yeah, let me talk on this. But uh, Michael and in his infinite wisdom thought that me struggling through it at the present time made me the ideal candidate to talk about it. So here I am nonetheless. Uh, so please know that as we go into this, I, I myself am going through a period where it's hard to stay grateful uh, as I go through some circumstances in my life. Uh, everything from family situations to work stuff. I don't know what it is for you, but it seems like lately I've been trying to convince myself to be grateful. Not, not remind myself. Those are different things. So not to remind myself, but to convince myself to be grateful. And again, he thought that that qualified me to speak on it today. Uh, the joke might be on him, but the jury's out, but we'll find out. Um, so here, here's my question for the day. So I've, I've got this glass, right? 
And, and my question for us today is going to be, is this glass half full or is it half empty? Okay? Is it half full or is it half empty? I hate object lessons, by the way. I absolutely hate them, but I'm doing one today because I want to do something different. So this glass, is it half full? I don't even know if it's exact, but get that answer in your head. I really want you to think about it. Is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? Seriously, think about it. Come up with your answer for that, please. Um, Answer that for yourself. Is this glass half full or is it half empty? See, this is an old test that we've all heard at some point. I'd be willing to bet that every single person in this room uh, has some, at some point referenced uh, that question in conversation. You see, it serves as a test to our personalities. Are you, the, the real nature of the question is, are you optimistic or are you pessimistic? Where do you fall on that scale? Do you see opportunity or do you see difficulty when you look at a problem? That's the whole goal uh, of the question. What are you? Are you an optimist? Are you a pessimist? You see, you can fall anywhere on the scale. So really what I would ask is that you be honest with yourself here because it's really going to guide the rest of our day together and and, and kind of where we're going to end up. And and by the way, we may each end up at different places by the end of this. So we'll see how that goes as well. But what does your answer say about you? Really think about that. What is your answer to that question? Is this glass half full or is it half empty? What does that say about you? Does it say that you're naturally optimistic? Um, Do you see opportunity at every turn? Do you see positivity at everything that you look at and look at it from this side that says, um, that says, yes, that's always full. It's always full. It's always full. Or are you pessimistic? Do you always see the empty side of the cup? Do you always see the negative? Do you always address or um, seem to, to point out the problems in life? Or, this is kind of my favorite, and I've seen this play out in people before too, is your knee-jerk reaction one way, but you quickly remind yourself of the need to think the other way. So maybe you're naturally a pessimist, right? But you go, wait a minute, I'm in the kingdom of God, or like, I've been saved, so I'm supposed to be optimistic. So then you you jump back to this side of the line. Or or maybe you're like me, and, and I'll be honest with you about how I'd label myself when I ask myself that question. Is this half full or is it half empty? I'm what I would call a, a, realist, a realistic optimist. Um, I see it as half full, but I also can never ignore the fact that it, there is an empty side to that glass. I can't ignore it. Whenever I get asked that question, yes, it's half full, but there's still an empty side that something needs to be done with. That, that's where I fall. So wh- where do you fall on that whole entire scale? There's, there's no wrong answer, and there's no right way to be when you're asked that question. What if I told you that your answer to that question didn't matter as much as we might believe? And, and maybe you guys are sitting there going, I don't really think it mattered in the first place, but that's okay too. Um, but, but even more, what if I told you that the question itself has been testing the wrong attribute of our personalities? What if we've been not only looking at the glass wrong, but what if the, what if the point of the glass has been wrong in how it's been proposed to us as long as it's been proposed to us. What if it's giving us a wrong understanding of our lives and of our faith? You see, I'm convinced that the more that I ponder this question, rather than having two vastly different possible answers that says this is either full or it's empty, what if instead um, the, the answer that we would give showed our understanding of the fullness of the cup 
uh, and that it directly influences our understanding of the emptiness of the cup and what each of those sides means for our faith. Not with me, are you? That's all right. So I, I think this question is a direct reflection of our understanding of gratitude and the provision of God. And I think that those things go hand in hand. I don't think that you can separate those. Just like I don't think that you can separate whether or not this thing is half full or half empty, that still leaves another half to it. No matter which side you fall on, there's still another half to the cup. So what if this was a direct reflection of our understanding of gratitude? What if that was the point of this whole entire question of the cup? Come up with your answer. Don't forget it. But, but we're going to talk today about gratitude and the provision of God. Would you guys pray with me real quick? God, I, uh, I ask today that we might be able to be uh, bold and courageous and honest with ourselves as we go through this idea of gratitude. Lord, that we wouldn't be guilted or forced into gratitude throughout our daily lives, God, but that we might be able to uh, truly find a spot where um, we're able to look at our lives and go, regardless of circumstance, I, I'm still grateful. God, would you give us the courage to do so, and would, would you give us the map to show us how to get there? Uh, Lord, we ask this all in your great and glorious name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so, so here's the truth about me, and I'll, I'll give you guys a little bit of a spoiler. I've, already, I've always been a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. Um, when I was in second grade, I don't know if I've shared this here or not. Uh, when I was in second grade, uh, my whole entire elementary school, they had like a big awards day. And, uh, and I won the Sunshine Award in second grade. Thank you. Uh, it was a big day in my life, and I think about it darn near every day uh, ever since. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably my biggest accolade, and it's always number one on my, uh, uh, on my resume of awards and accomplishments, the Sunshine Award from second grade. Um, and no, I got that because there was a teacher that would drive by me every day when I had to walk to school. I lived like half a mile from school, uh, and I would just walk every day uh, from second grade on. And uh, I would always, I, I don't know, I've always been like this, but I love to like wave at people. So when people are going by, and especially like in my town, like Fremont's like decently big, it's 35,000 people. So like you don't know everybody, but you, you dang near know everybody, you know. And, uh, and so people would drive by and I'd wave and I'd smile at them and I'd, say, I'd even like say out loud, even though they're flying by, hey, how's it going? Like, you know, and they could see my mouth's moving. And, um, but yeah, so there, there was a teacher that nominated for me uh, for, the, for the Sunshine Award. And, uh, and on there it said, David's the, the happiest walker to school that I've ever seen, right? So that, that, that kind of sums me up. I've always been like that. Nobody ever taught me how to do that. When it comes to my demeanor, when it comes to my attitude, I, I generally wind up on the side of cheerful and grateful as best as I possibly can. Uh, when it comes to possessions, when it comes to things of this world, I've always been very, very grateful uh, for the relationships that I've been able to build, uh, for the mentors that I've had in my life, for the people that have come around me, for the people that God have placed uh, in my life. Uh, I've always been extremely grateful. I can drum up a ton of reasons to be grateful and, and truly carry an, an attitude of gratitude. It, it's an important thing to me. So um, it's so important that when I'm not feeling so grateful, I remind myself of the importance of being grateful and, and I kind of force myself into it. <laughs> Because I think that it's an important attribute for us to have. It's not quite as full now. Um, so Michael and I, you know, when we talked a few weeks ago, we, we nailed something down. We, we kind of found my, my thing as to why I was struggling with, with this idea of gratitude. You see, I'm not grateful when I don't see myself as useful. 
That's what, we're, that's what we really got down to. That's what I was really able to break it down to. My ability to truly be grateful is directly tied to my feeling of my own usefulness. If I feel like I'm letting people down, if I feel like I'm underperforming, if I feel like I'm not making an impact for the kingdom of God or I'm not making an impact in the people's lives around me, I feel useless. And, And when I feel useless, I don't feel important. When I don't feel important, I struggle to be grateful for my situation. If you don't believe me, just ask my wife. She sees it play out all the time. If I don't feel useful, I really struggle with gratitude. That's my thing. I I don't know what yours is. Uh, I don't know what causes you to lack in gratitude or what kind of puts you in check in your life day in and day out. But I struggle to be grateful for my situation uh, because I think that I'm letting people down. And and that that goes deep. That, That goes very deep with me. Even as deep as to think that I'm letting God down. After all that he's done so much for me already, all the pain and hurt and and work that he's gone through to save me, you'd think that I could at least be productive in his kingdom and what he's called me to, right? I can can build a pretty good case for this. I've, I've been doing it for a long time. I've become pretty great at developing a case for this lack of gratitude, to be honest with you. My thing is, if I don't feel useful, I'm really going to struggle with gratitude in the moment. Now for you, it's going to be different. And I hope that something has jumped up into your mind already. If it hasn't, I hope that you can come up with what it might be. Or it may be something that you need to leave this place and think more about. I, I, I certainly didn't understand it for a long time until Michael and I talked a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> if it didn't jump into your mind, uh, it's a lonely spot for me to be struggling with this in front of all of you. Uh, so what is yours? Do you have it? Is, is it in the top of your mind? Have you, have you faced it? Have you stepped um, into the arena with it, so to speak? In, uh, in John 3.30, it, it's a really short verse, and I think that might be why I like it, because it's really easy to memorize. Uh, but John 3.30, it says this, He must increase, but I must decrease. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about a little bit today. Uh, because I think... I think that we can apply that verse in a lot of areas, but I think that it absolutely screams at us when we talk about this idea of gratitude. What if I told you that the water in this cup didn't represent some optimism tipping point? What if that's not what this is is at all? What what if the water instead was was our situation through our eyes being the water? Um, What if the empty space that exists up here, what if that was to represent God's desires for our life? And, and I hope that I'm not reaching too far for this, because like I told you, I'm not always a big fan of object lessons. But, um, but what if that's what this was? What if, what if this water was our situation through our eyes, and what if the emptiness in your cup, wherever it might be, whatever level it might be, was, um, was what it was that God desired for us as we go through the situations that we go through? Look, I don't, I don't know what your water would be in this cup. For me, I told you earlier, lately it's been, uh, it's been family difficulty. It's been work frustrations. It's been self-doubt. They're all filling this cup up probably more than half full for me. I don't know what your water is in this. I, I, I don't know what it is. But we talked a few weeks ago in Genesis about Jacob wrestling with God. Imagine this with me. As, as we wrestle through these situations that make up the water in our cup, 
as we deal with them, as I work through things that my family is struggling with, as I attack work frustrations, as I, um, as I go through what might be the most difficult, as I wrestle with God in this area of feeling useless to Him when I'm not productive and successful, what is it for you? What's your thing? Um, as I truly hand these situations directly to God, as I trust Him with the scariest parts of me and what I just shared with you, uh, they, they encompass some of the scariest parts of myself, if I'm very honest with you. But as I truly hand these situations to, to God, as I trust Him with the scariest parts of myself, as I allow Him to be truly the Lord of my entire life, we see ourselves decrease in this cup. We see the supernatural work of God molding us into who he desires us to be take place right before our very eyes. We, we see him increase. So actually as the water decreases here, we get to see God and what it is that he desires for us increase in our lives. So whether we see that the glass is half empty, whether we see it as half full, or I don't care what it is, whether it's one thirty seconds empty and thirty-one thirty seconds full, what if I told you that it doesn't really matter? What if the most important issue here is that we continuously see ourselves decreasing? Our control, our worry, our frustration, our hatred, our lack of trust, seeing all of those things decrease in our lives. And in turn, uh, we get to see God's control we get to see God's provision. Uh, even in sometimes ways that we wouldn't expect or prefer His provision, we get to see His provision. We get to see God's care. We get to see God's love for us increase. See, as the water goes down, we get to see all of those things come up more and more from God. You see, as we do this, as we decrease and as He increases, here's what God says to us. This would be from Matthew 7, uh, verses 9 and 11. It says this, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask of him? See, God's provision is a great thing, and, and, and like I alluded to, it's not always what we might expect. It's certainly not always what we would hope it would be. It's certainly not what we think it should be a lot of times. But at the end of the day, we have a Father in heaven who gives good things to those who ask Him. What's funny to me is, as, as I thought about this, and as this this idea came into my head about this glass and whether or not it's half full or half empty one of the things that I thought of is it's funny that, that as this goes down uh, as you have less and less so let's say that we were at one thirty second and three thirty second or 32 30 seconds right what fractions 31 30 seconds let's say that we were at that uh, difference here in this cup so one thirty second of it is full what's great to know is that with God's provision no matter what level you're at here we're constantly going to have exactly what it is that we need from him at the exact moment as we go through what it is that we're struggling through. No matter what the level of this cup, it's always just enough. It's always just enough. It's funny, I, uh, so I wrestled in high school. Um, I wasn't terribly good, but I tried. And, uh, and 
probably one of the dumbest things in my athletic career. Uh, we had a meet on Saturday, and my junior year, I, I had to cut a lot of weight, and Rachel hates when I tell my wrestling stories, but um, when, when I had to cut a lot of weight my junior year to get to a spot. We had a kid who was like three-time state finalist at 125. We had a kid who was a four-time state qualifier at 130. So, so I cut from what I was at from football down to 119. So I, I ended up losing like 27 pounds to get down to 119 that year, right? Really stupid, but that wasn't the dumbest part. Um, we have a meet on a Saturday and, uh, and weigh in, and I was just going up and down and up and down all year, right? I would just cut really hard to get down to my weight that I needed to be at for the team. And, uh, and I went off on Sunday, like just loading up, right? Because like it was a rough week getting down to weight. So I just went off eating on Sunday. And I put on a pretty decent amount of weight that Sunday, and I come in on Monday, and uh, every morning that I would get into school, I'd go to our, like, our really nice uh, scales, and I'd weigh myself. And, and I, was, I was overweight pretty good, but I, I, I knew what I was doing when I was getting into it. What I didn't know and what I didn't realize I had left off of my schedule at home was that we had a duel on Tuesday night that I had to get down to wait for. So um, one of the dumbest things that I've ever done was just eat that much food on Sunday, show up Monday and go, oh, we've got a duel tomorrow night. That wasn't very smart. So I, I ended up having to cut like eight and a half pounds from Monday to Tuesday night. Uh, and that was terrible. But one thing that I learned through that was uh, in that practice, normally I, I was the kind that I would, I would stay very hydrated as I went through our wrestling practices, right? In a hot room, uh, two hours worth of work. Like I, I would always probably drink too much because I, I would always at some point in our workouts have, have a bit of a, an ache in my stomach, right? And I think that I had always drank a little bit too much. But as, uh, as we go through this workout, because of my situation, I didn't allow myself to drink any water that night. I would put some into my mouth and I'd swish it around and I'd, I'd kind of get it wet and then I'd spit it back out and then I'd go back to working out, right? What was funny about this, it might sound really stupid and maybe even gross to you and that's okay. Uh, you're allowed to think that about it. But uh, as I went through this, uh, one thing that I realized was I, I probably had my best practice that I had ever had in my wrestling career during that time. And I don't know if it was because I had drank too much before where like I would feel almost like waterlogged and, and, and brought down a bit, but I had a really good practice and I was able to make it all the way through. So why do I tell you that? I, I think a lot of times we need a lot less than we realize or what, what we think we might need. It might be an imperfect uh, picture of it, but what I found from then on, I, I never drank water throughout wrestling practices after that. Because that, that trip to triggering me that said, boy, I, I don't need as much water as I'm holding on to as I go through these, these workouts. What, what if I told you that, that we don't need as much as we think that we need? So, so our expectation of what God's provision should be, our hopes for what it is that he would give us, uh, what we expect of him, what we say that we should have, uh, I think oftentimes is a little fat, we might say. I think that it's a little, it's a little too much. When in all actuality, God's saying... You've got one thirty-second of this cup filled up, and that's going to be more than enough for you. I'm going to provide for you exactly what it is that you need. You know, if I, if I stayed on this wrestling idea, what's always funny to me about, about wrestling is you have, you have six minutes if you go the full match. You're pushing, you're pulling, you're getting beat on, you're fighting back. And exhaustion, this is what I learned, is a lot farther away than we ever think that it is. 
So, so I had a coach uh, from my junior year and senior year who he had a rule for us. When, whenever we were in a wrestling match, we weren't allowed to ever put our hands on our knees or bend over in between periods. We had to be hands on our hips and up and walking around, taking nice deep breaths. Uh, and he, he told us, he said, you know what's funny is as people see you doing that, you're almost going to demoralize them. You know, you, like your opponent, as they see you with your hands on your hips walking around, you look good. You look like you're walking around and you're ready to go for the next round. And they're sitting there going, what the heck? Like, this guy needs to stop. Like, how is he standing up? I'm exhausted. That, that alone can do so much in the middle of a wrestling match. It's not even funny. You can almost win the entire match just on demeanor a lot of times. And why is that? Because through a wrestling match, believe me, you, you feel over and over and over that you are near the point of exhaustion. And, and if you can walk through that, if you can, if you can almost... If you can almost push back against the thought, you're almost going to demoralize your opponent when you, when you go into the ring. No matter how empty we feel, no matter how close to the point of exhaustion we think we might be, God's still in control and, and, and he's providing exactly what it is that we need. Nothing more and nothing less. You see, what I found out through my wrestling career was that exhaustion is a lot farther away than I ever thought that it was. It's a lot farther away because I could always put my hands on my hips and walk around. I could always do it. I could always get deep breaths in. I was never near the point of exhaustion. I might have felt like I may have been. My mind may have told me that I was getting close, but I couldn't have been farther from it. I think we're really good at tricking ourselves from time to time. See, God knows exactly what we need. He's providing exactly what we need. Nothing more and nothing less. And we, we constantly cycle through what we would read in Romans 15, 13. And we see it playing out in our lives over and over. It says this. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's my hope for each of us, that, that we may see the glass more and more empty each time that we look at it. So whether it's half full or half empty, I, I would hope... That the water in our cup is decreasing as we look at it every single time. That we're able to hand more and more over uh, to God who loves us, who cares for us, who has our best interests in mind and who is constantly providing for us. Oh, that we may see the glass more and more empty each time that we look at it. And in turn, may we see the power of the Holy Spirit overflowing in us day in and day out. Would you guys pray with me? God, we, uh, we thank you so much for all that you're up to in our lives day in and day out. We thank you so much for the ways that you provide for us, for the ways that you care for us, for the ways that you grow us and push us and prod us, Lord. Um, I pray, God, that we may constantly be seeing ourselves decreasing, and Lord, that we might see you increase in our lives day in and day out. No matter how full our cup may be with our situations and our difficulties, Lord, um, Lord, may we see those things decrease, Lord, and may we see your control and your power and your love for us increase in our lives daily. God, we ask this all in your great and glorious name. Amen.